it's not about more. You know, human consumption is more and more and more, and we need to realize that Mother Nature, just let it give it a chance, and the less I put on, the more chance it has to do that. Welcome to the 288th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, regional food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. While driving through the upper Midwest this fall, I was struck by the number of massive grain carts I saw being pulled across fields brimming with corn and soybeans. By all appearances, it was another successful harvest, which means a profitable year for farmers, right? Well, it's not that simple. Economists estimate that with the high price of inputs like fertilizer and fuel, this corn crop was one of the most expensive to raise in history. And 2023 is looking to be an extremely pricey year to grow the crop as well. It turns out that true profitability in farming is based on one's return on investment. The math is simple. If it costs more to raise that bushel of corn or pound of beef than one receives from the marketplace, then it doesn't matter how great the per unit productivity is. It's simply a financially unsustainable situation. It's the net return we need to pay attention to, not the gross profit. In mid-September, Southern Minnesota farmer Tom Cotter hosted a field day that focused on the role healthy soil can play in creating the kind of return on investment that's truly profitable in the long term. The event, which was sponsored by LSP, the Minnesota Soil Health Coalition, Superior Cannabis Company, Albert Lee Seed, and the Nature Conservancy, featured guest speaker and soil health pioneer Gabe Brown. As farmers, our profits are based on our ability to cycle solar energy, said Brown, whose North Dakota crop and livestock operation has become a showcase for profitable, regenerative agriculture. Farmers and ranchers aren't deficient in nutrients, they're deficient in biology, he added. That message, that it's not viable to focus exclusively on yields while ignoring soil's innate potential to generate food and profits, was driven home again and again during the field day was made clear during an opening presentation in Tom's machine shed and again while looking at soil samples in a stand of sweet corn or checking how bell grazing has set the groundwork for a thriving stand of sunflowers. Tom raises organic and conventional crops, along with grass-finished beef, on 795 acres. He also raises hemp for grain and the CBD market and is a partner in Superior Cannabis Company. He started planting cover crops in 1998 and half a dozen years ago adopted no-till. But Tom says rotationally grazing livestock on cover-cropped and pastured acres is what really got his soil biology activated. And that has resulted in what the farmer calls lots of less. Tom's low-lying farm is in the Cedar River watershed near the city of Austin, and he's noticing less water ponding, fewer weeds, reduced erosion, and lower fuel and chemical bills since practices that build healthy soil were integrated into the operation. But at the last stop of the day, Tom showed a field that is actually characterized by more, as in more diversity. He had participants wade into a waist-high, 19-way mix of cover crops he seeded in late July. Field day participants were sent on a kind of scavenger hunt to see how many species could be identified. Tom's plan was to graze his beef herd on this stand of cover crops, and the immense diversity of the mix, both below and above ground, will also supercharge the soil's biology, putting the field in good shape to grow future cash crops. After the field day, Tom talked to me about why he's so excited about soil health's ability to produce lots of less. But he's equally charged up about the role more can play in making regenerative farming practices a bigger, more profitable presence, not only on his own farm, 
but in his community. Yeah, uh, I, I really call it lots of less because the more I did this, the more I realized it's not about more. You know, human consumption is more, 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 and we need to realize that if you work with nature, you don't need to. So I started realizing it's like, well, you know, my cover crops and soil. Really, it's soil health gives me less, you know, less weeds out there, less loss of soil, you know, through wind or or water erosion. And there's so many things that come along, you know, fuel, less fuel use, less machinery costs, less labor, less chemicals. But really, a lot of the biggest things I always like to end with is, you know, less regulations because we're, we're, you know, regenerative farmers are doing a really good job. We need more people doing it. So that's probably the only thing we need more of is more guys going this route. But to always think that Mother Nature, you know, and Gabe says it great about, you know, self-healing all that just let it give it a chance and the less i put on the more chance it has to do that and you you i think the other thing that you're really good at is you admit that there's going to be shortfalls and there's going to be mistakes and you've you've definitely uh, had those over the years and you really and you say you feel like in some ways you learn more from those than you just a year that was a slam dunk and you had no problems at all absolutely and that comes down to you know everything is related and that's where i take the life lessons I learned from being a, a wrestling coach that my boy you know he was a great wrestler but when he won an easy match no one really learned anything but man when he went up against state champ and it was a 3-2 loss boy he learned and that's the same thing equates to farming that if you're not changing if you're not doing something new every year you're kind of staying stagnant and you're going to fall behind because we need to move forward with farming in the and you know and the year 2022 and 2025 and 35 and we need to keep advancing that so yeah and it sounds like you you really make the point that it's become even more important with some of the extreme weather situations that we're seeing that, that you've kind of had to deal with that and a lot of farmers and especially in this area have been dealing with the past couple of years uh you know the, the extreme weather is out there and it really doesn't bother me as much now as it did 20 years ago when i was tilling the soil and the, the water absorption infiltration is just so great. And every time I do a test, it ends up like, oh, that's okay, but it's not fantastic. But what I see in the real world, the, the full 100-acre field, I can go combine it, no problem. Now, will my ring test tell me that it's 8 inches per hour? No, but I know that it's infiltrating good. So. Well, you we really saw that out in the fields, and you said you've seen You've seen just some, some real infiltration uh, uh, benefits in the past, just sounds like in the past few years. Uh, really, it's when livestock started getting on the fields. That's when my earthworms uh, really shot up because I had them with the cover crops and the reduced tillage. But once that livestock got on there, you got that next biologic, biological input of you know cattle manure, cattle saliva, that's when things really just exploded. Yeah, and I, just speaking of that, so the last stop we had, and this was a great idea, you, we, had, we went out to a 19-way mix of cover crops that you planted in late July, and you had folks go out and try to identify. <laughs> it was a really fun way for people to kind of figure out what was out there. But we had a little bit of a talk about the importance of diversity, and I think one of the things that Gabe, points that Gabe made that was really good was, if you had planted a monocrop of rye for the next 19 years, 
you know, it, it would have taken you 19 years of that monocrop every year. But this way, you're able to maybe accelerate your uh, soil health benefits and your regenerative, uh, uh, kind of where you're going on a regenerative system down the road a little bit by doing that diverse mix. Is that kind of what you had in mind there? A- absolutely. I, I talk about communities a lot, and you, you can't just have, they, they can't all be school teachers. We need to have everyone, janitors, principals, students, and really that's the idea that goes into the cover crop field. I need to have, everyone's got their own certain job they're doing. And I think Gabe talked about that really good with weed, you know, so-called weeds. It's there for a reason. We just need to figure out why it's there. And that diversity, when I first started, I could see, oh, dry spots, the brassicas did great. The wetter spots, the grasses did great. And now it's actually gotten a lot more even where I don't see those spots stick out as much. And that's good because when I go to combine, and I noticed it right too with yields early on, that the fields got much more even. And so that's some of the advantages of having a multi-cover crop out there. We had over 150 people here today, and a lot of people I didn't recognize, which is great. And a lot of people who maybe would be considered more quote-unquote conventional farmers who maybe are just looking at some of this stuff. And I know when you were getting started, you relied on information from different sources. But how key is it to see kind of farmers, and right now we're seeing farmers after the field day talking to each other and sharing information. And I know that's something that Gabe Brown really promotes too, is that farmer-to-farmer education. I mean, it must be kind of exciting to see a lot of farmers coming here and learning from some of your successes, but also, you know, you're willing to share your, your, some of the things that didn't go so well. I mean, how important is that farmer-to-farmer education as we looked at maybe getting even more of these practices established on more more acres around here i think that's number one you know networking with other farmers it's great to come to listen to gabe he does a fantastic job you can hear what i'm doing but realistically you need to find your core group that's within 20 miles and someone that you can talk to five times a week and really bounce off ideas the one advantage I has I got with TJ Curtis and Saddle Butte and Freeborn Area Soil Hall team. And also, instead of learning one thing a year, I started learning from 20 different people. And so now I'm learning 20 times as fast. And now I'm putting a 20-way mix in, and I'm learning 20 times 20. That's 400 times faster. It just keeps on compounding, and it's so important. You know, we talked about confidence earlier in the year. Your neighbors, your network group is what gives you confidence. And I guarantee you, I can make just about anything work if I feel confident. Is there something you really want to uh, have to get through this year yet? We're in September now, so we're running up to harvest and all that. But over the winter, are you thinking about something you're gonna, something new, new ideas, or you're gonna uh, sit on it for a while? Uh, well, it you know it's those diverse mixes after pea fields instead of putting twenty way mixes out there. I really want to come back with two different mixes set up for you know each zone. So the planting zone is getting 10 different species, real high mycorrhizal fungi, maybe something a little winter kill. So when I plant into it, I don't have to worry about killing or competing with it and then letting you know the red clovers and stuff grow in between the rows to help suppress weeds, help to absorb all that sun's energy and the carbon early on. And then once my plant cash crop takes you know gets to the six inch stage then i can let the other stuff terminate and 
you know, keep that rolling. So that, that's probably the future. Well, and I think that reminds me, I think that's one of the reasons a lot of folks, we're seeing a lot of folks turn up to these kind of events who maybe normally wouldn't because we are in a situation where input prices are so high and a big message that came that you came across with and that Gabe came across with was it may not be so much that we're short on fertility, but we're short on the bio, biological activity that can kind of get that uh, to kind of activate that fertility. Absolutely. I plant so much cover crop seed that I've starting to realize, like, why, why do I have to terminate it? Why can't I have stuff, multi-things growing together? And it, it actually works out really good in the hemp fields that we grow for our Superior Canvas store. And taking those ideas and slipping it into the cash crop, which is could be sunflowers, it could be sweet corn, peas, soybeans. There's, just, there's so many options, and I really think the more I do this, the more cash crops become available to me. So now it just gives me more options that maybe I can start blending these together. Well, that's a super good point that because of your diversity, you can have windows opportunity to get in cover crops. You can have it gives you so much more of a window to build that soil health that you maybe you wouldn't have with just a straight corn corn bean mix. Yeah. Well, realistically, I this is my first year ever that I don't have conventional corn. The only corn I have is organic corn, and then I do have some conventional sweet corn. But that's it, you know, totally different game because it uses less nitrogen. I can let my cover crops grow longer if I need to get feed before or after the season so it really opens up possibilities in a world of high priced nitrogen to be able to get by on 85 pounds of nitrogen for my sweet corn and it looks like it's going to be a fantastic yield i know i'm on the right path for more on ways to build soil health profitably Check out the podcast page for Ear to the Ground episode number 288 at landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.